It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord. And others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. And now, without further ado, with the curtain being peeled back for Dr. History, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Zab. Doing great. Doing great today. Um, Real quick, uh, I understand you're going to take a trip to China. That's what I'm looking at in April to go over and visit some of the students and that professors. are listening to this program. Yes, and yeah. they haven't severed relations with our country. Not as of yet, but uh, so I'm hoping I make it over there. Whee! Please be careful. I will. Okay. I will. All right. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about a bank robbery gone bad and a local hero. Okay, a bank robbery gone bad. This sounds like a lot of TV westerns, and it sounds like a little bit like Jesse James and his gang. Okay, no. <laughs> oh, okay. But some kind of famous guys. I see. All right. All right. So, murder screamed the headline of the Delta, Colorado Independent newspaper. Three three robbers commit a horrible deed, is what the newspaper said. Mm-hmm. This small weekly newspaper devoted a whole page to this, and then they said on the floor of Delta's Farmers and Merchants Bank, an unarmed bank cashier lay dead. Two more men, both bandits, were dead in the dirt streets of Delta, Colorado. Oh, my. And a posse was in hot, hot pursuit of the one surviving outlaw. Uh-oh. So that's what the newspaper said. So okay. we'll go back to the beginning here. All right. In the autumn of 1893, Delta, Colorado was a quiet little town like hundreds of other little communities across the West. Uh, It was a growing town in 1893, a settlement with a future. Delta already boasted two saloons, uh, essential, of course, to any town, three hardware stores, three lawyers, a couple of dozen other commercial enterprises, and two banks. Well, the 7th of September was a miserable hot day, the sort of day on which people moved slowly and stayed in the shade if they had no promising business. Uh, Like the surprising heat on that autumn day, uh, another unwelcome guest was about to pay a visit to the town of Delta, veteran outlaw Tom McCarty. Have you ever heard of him, Zeb? You know, I have, but uh, it's I really can't remember all the circumstances. Okay, I'll tell you who he's connected with here in a minute. Okay, all right. So Tom uh, McCarty had his eye on the citizens' hard-earned savings at the Farmers Mer- and Merchants Bank, and with him were his brother Bill and Bill's 17-year-old son, Fred. Mm-hmm. Now, keep that in mind, 17 years old. Right. So the three had been watching this little town and its bank for several days, and they were ready at last to make a move. Now, Tom McCarty was a professional hoodlum, bad guy. His father brought his large family west to Montana and Utah, where they settled for a while, close to Circleville, home of Leroy Parker, better known as... 
Butch Cassidy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, the family moved on to Nevada, then back to Utah in 1877. The McCarty brothers became ranchers on their own, but they weren't very good at it, yeah. at least not for the long haul. So, uh, Or maybe they just not were not that interested in manual labor. Mm-hmm. But in time, whatever the reason, taking other people's money began to seem to be a pretty good deal, uh, more attractive than working. For a while, mm. at least. Well, Tom rode with Butch Cassidy. I'll be darned. And Matt Warner, among others, and had spent part of the famous, uh, he was part of the famous 1893 robbery of the San Miguel Bank in Telluride, Colorado. Really? With Butch Cassidy. So he was in the hole-in-the-wall game. Yes. And that raid netted more than $20,000 and was supposed to be Cassidy's first venture into bank robbery. So Tom McCarty was also the central figure in the robbery of the First National Bank of Denver in the spring of 1889. I see. With Butch Cassidy. I see. That may be where you've heard that name. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, when McCarty and Warner uh, robbed a gambling hall in Butte, Montana, they went to the shelter of a ranch in Baker, Oregon, owned by McCarty's brother, Bill. Way over in Baker? Clear over to Baker. Well, things were tough in the ranching business for Bill and his son, Fred, and so they both joined Tom to follow the apparently easy money of robbing banks. Mm-hmm. Well, it would prove to be kind of a poor decision in the long run, and we'll get to that shortly. Okay. Well, for a while, uh, though the outlaw's business went fairly smoothly, the four men robbed a placer camp uh, called Sparta, Oregon, coming away with a haul of currency and gold nuggets. They rode into Moscow, Idaho, to rob, of all things, a circus. You know, the distances you're talking about, those are really extreme, especially considering they didn't have interstates to go on. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's quite a distance from Montana to Oregon, back to Moscow. Wow. So, like I say, they robbed a circus, and then they returned back to Oregon to rob a bank. Uh, More holdups followed, including a bank in Roslyn, Washington. So they they spread themselves out pretty good. Well, the Roslyn job went bad. One of the gangs shot a man in the stomach, and the robbers had to run for it with a posse hot on their heels. Warner was eventually captured and spent some time in jail. And when he was released, he was smart enough to quit. Now, McCarty wasn't that bright. I see. And we'll get to more of that later here. I can tell you what, now's a good time for a commercial. It is. Let's do that. Uh, we're very blessed to have uh, Zach and Joanne at Minicasha Sales sponsoring Dr. History. You know these people really well. They built a 40 by 60 shop for me and all the materials supplied by them. Oh my goodness, they've got it all. Windows, doors, garage doors, lumber, truss packages, carpet, everything, don't they? They do. And also, here's something, if you've got any cattle or whatever, they They've got the very best of Tartar Farm and Ranch equipment, all the panels, the cattle handling equipment. I mean, hey, Tartar, that's the top of the game right there. You're aware of that, aren't you, Dr. History? I'm talking to you. Please put your book down. (laughs) Yes. Okay, thank you. And I'm doing a commercial without much help. Minicash of Sales at 1321 East Main and Burley. They do have everything you're looking for. They are the pros. Zach and Joanne, right across from the Burley Airport at 1321 East Main and Burley. Number to call, 878-2091. Right, Dr. History? Yes. Thank you very much for all your input. Minicash sales you stop in and see them today go ahead dr history all right and uh, don't let me forget to show you some pictures of yeah. these guys when uh, that i've got here in this book. yes all right okay so the mccarty brothers and young fred again 17 years old yeah they were determined to hit the farmers and merchants bank one of delta's two banks 
So the three outlaws apparently arrived at Delta about the first of the month and spent some time casing the town. They seem to have spent considerable time in a saloon right across from the bank. They camped outside town prior to the raid. They brought with them a string of horses and took their time sizing up the bank and the town. Now, this kind of goes along with the Butch Cassidy stuff where you have horses stretched out you know, mm-hmm. along the way mm-hmm. uh, to get away from the posse. So anyway, the three hoodlums uh, asking what were later called innocent-sounding questions over a friendly drink in the town's watering holes. In the afternoons, they rode out of town, letting it be known that they were shopping for a ranch. One source says that young Fred was used as a scout for the gang. Okay, 7th of September, they were ready. Tom probably performed his usual usual role. He liked to be outside uh, watching the street and holding the horses for the other two robbers. Now, I don't know if that was what he liked or he thought was the safest. I see. Well, a local citizen watched Tom doing at least uh, uh, a little one slug of liquor uh, to get his curry jug just before the raid began. began. Well, Tom entered the alley behind the bank with all three men's horses. So at about 10.15 a.m., Bill and his son, Fred, walked into the bank. It probably did not occur to any of the outlaws that this day was the anniversary of the James Younger Gang's disaster when they got shot up. Oh, that was a bad deal. They looked like Swiss cheese. They did. Well, inside the bank were two men, a guy named Blakely, who was a cashier, and an assistant uh, uh, cashier. Now, at the bank of the back of the bank, there was a, an office with an attorney by the name of Robinson, and across the street... Wait a minute, there was an attorney working in the bank? That is robbery. <laughs> that is a kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> now, across the street was a hardware store, and there sat a guy by the name of Ray Simpson. Okay. Now, keep that guy in mind, because he's going to come into play here. Okay. Simpson was a Kentucky-born and raised guy. He'd moved out west, settled in Delta. Uh, Simpson was a solid citizen, a respected merchant. He was about to become the town's hero. Oh, my. Now, to this day, there's no certainty about everything that happened inside the bank. Blakely was typing. The bank's safe stood open, wide open. Two men walked into the bank, and Blakely rose to wait on them. He found himself looking into the business end of two guns. The bandits demanded the bank's assets right now, and one of the rab- robbers, probably young Fred, jumped up on the bank's counter. Now, Blakely, the cashier, with more courage than wisdom, uh, seems to have shouted for help, and one of the outlaws told him to shut up or get his head blown off. Well, the cashier continued to shout, and this time he got two bullets. You would think the warning would have heeded some action in the being quiet department. Yeah, yeah, but like I say, wisdom did not uh, take hold here. But Some of these people in the Old West were not the uh, real smart people of the class. They, they weren't. Yeah. So Blakely's defiance had cost him his life. Yeah. Now, Tom McCarty's autobiography simply says that the two men entered the bank and a third waited outside with horses without naming who did what. I see. He also says that the cashier reached for a pistol and was shot. Oh. Now, this version sounds pretty much like an attempt to justify cold-blooded murder. Oh, I see. Now, the inside men, probably again Bill and Fred McCarty, grabbed a bag of gold coins, snatched between $700 and $1,000 in bills, stuffed them inside their shirts, and ran out through the back of the bank. Mm-hmm. Now, whatever had happened inside the bank, uh, the robbers uh, dashed into the alley, 
uh, hurting the other cashier along with them. Oh, kind, why did, kind why of, did they take him? Well, kind of as a escort, what do you call it, a, a hostage. I, I see. Okay. So, now, uh, basically, uh, Tom said, get on your horses quick, and it was good advice for the citizens who were already moving toward the front of the bank. This doesn't bode well. No. Now, one of the account of the raid says the two inside men arrived in the alley to find their horses waiting, but Tom, being the brave guy he was, he jumped on his horse and was long gone. He left. He left. So one guy that was supposed to hold the horses wasn't. Was gone. Adios. At least the horses were still there. I wonder if they paid him his share. (laughs) Well, you'll see. (laughs) Well, leaving behind their loot, the outlaws mounted as fast as they could, fled, leaving loose currency strewn up and down the alley. Now, while Blakely's shouts inside the bank had probably not been heard, the shots that killed him had been heard. Uh-huh. Now, this guy, Ray Simpson, that I mentioned, that was the mentioned hardware, yeah, hardware yeah. owner, yeah. Uh, he heard the shots. Now, according to one version of the Delta Raid, Simpson, Simpson was cleaning his rifle. Uh, most accounts call it a forty-four Sharps in the back room of the hardware store right across Main Street from the bank. I see. Or maybe, according to another person, he just grabbed a, a repeating rifle from the store itself. We don't know, but yeah. it doesn't matter. Simpson himself told a little bit of a fascinating story about being prepared to take on the robbers. Mm-hmm. He said later that he dreamed a local bad man had vandalized his shop and he, Simpson, had to shoot the intruder. I see. Now, the dream so stuck in his mind, the next morning uh, he cleaned his rifle and set it with cartridges where he could get it quickly. So he had the dream the night before. Yeah, yeah. In fact, he was telling his father of this strange dream when the two shots rang out in the bank across the street. This is Hollywood. It is. Now, the angry citizens were gathering in front of the bank, and Simpson noticed that there were no horses. Uh Uh-oh. So he guessed correctly that the gang had stashed their mounts in the alley behind the bank. I see. He ran out in the street, hearing somebody yell, Get your gun, it's a holdup. Well, Simpson turned toward the alley as the three outlaws galloped past him. Simpson raised his rifle, pulled down on the nearest one. He hit Bill. Uh Uh-oh. Bill was done. He was done. With a what? You said a Sharps? Well, we think a Sharps or... We don't know for sure. A Sharps would blow a hole in you the size of a carport. Yeah, forty-four caliber. Holy smokes! So one one bullet pretty well took out Bill. Yeah. Okay. Now, Simpson uh, took aim at Fred... Shot him. Oh, again, this guy was a good shot. Well, evidently, yeah. he's depleting the population. Right, and they claim that this last shot was about two hundred and forty feet. That's almost a football field. That's as long as my roping arena. <laughs> that is. And he nailed him. He nailed him. So Simpson did say afterward that Fred fired three times at him and paused long enough to glance at his dad, who was laying in the dirt. Well, whether Fred did, it was the last, if he did, whatever he did, it was the last thing he did, because Ray Simpson uh, got him. Got him, too? Well, yeah, so uh, Bill and Fred are now father and son. They're th- dead. They're no more. Yeah, adios. So Simpson had done some fairly good shooting, yeah. and uh, uh, Fred uh, actually stayed in the saddle for about a block and with his horse galloping down the street. Uh-huh. But he, he was... he was. Then he came off the horse. Yeah, he was committed to hitting the dust. <laughs> he was. Yeah. <laughs> well, along the way, Simpson or somebody shot one of the outlaw's horses. Uh, Tom, the veteran outlaw, wanted nothing more to do with Simpson's deadly rifle, even if he did leave two of his kinsmen dead in the street behind him. Yeah, so he's still running. He's still going. Yeah. So 
Tom told him uh, himself, uh, let it be known later, that two or three bullets Simpson sent in his direction came uncomfortably close. Uh-huh. So he realized that he and his gang had been well and truly whipped by one guy, the local town hero. Really? Well, as I mentioned about the horses, he changed horses in the gang camp outside uh, town. He lit out. Uh, no, what's this guy's name, Fred? No, Tom. This, this is Tom. Tom. This, this is Tom McCarty. Yeah, Bill and okay. Fred are both dead. Yep, they, they're up in the... Uh, <laughs> Great beyond. Yep, they have. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, so he jumped on one of the spare horses, and it turned out, and he, he took off. Now, a manuscript supposedly being McCarty's autobiography was sent to his father-in-law and was supposedly published in a newspaper in Manti, Utah. Oh, my. And now in possession of the Utah State Historical Society. Really? So it's, uh, and I'm just going to read a little bit of what this supposedly is from his autobiography, his own words. He wrote this about him being a bank robber. Right. Holy smokes. doesn't sound smart. It doesn't. But Mm. this came out later. Okay, now I'm going to just read what he said. Okay. He said, as we passed the first street, I heard the sharp crack of a rifle, and looking for my partners, I saw one of them, Bill, fall from his horse, my other companion, Fred, being a little head, then partly turned his horse as though he wanted to see where the shot came from. I told him quickly to go on, but as I spoke, another shot came which struck his horse, and before he could get his animal in motion, another shot came which struck him, and he fell dead. Uh Uh-oh. His horse began to run back toward the place where the shots had come from. Looking back, I saw a man standing by the corner of a building having what I supposed was a Winchester and shooting as fast as possible at me. Several bullets passed so near me that I felt the force of the bullets as they passed. One of the bullets struck my horse near the hill, which crippled him. Yeah. After I had traveled about 75 miles, I found some friends who told me that both of my relatives had been shot. Wow. So that's his autobiography. So what happened to this guy? Okay. Well, I've got a little bit more here. Film at 11. (laughs) Okay. Well, the Delta Sheriff raised a posse, which included Simpson, and they gave chase, but they couldn't come up with McCarty. They did get his horse, but uh, as I mentioned, he'd changed horses, so he uh, had a head start. But they had come close enough to the outlaw to find a campfire still burning, but they never saw the man himself. Now, uh, the remains uh, of the uh, McCarty's uh, were hauled off to an undertaking party. They were propped up, and I'm going to show you a picture of them here. Oh, in okay. Yeah. Well, after the Delta disaster, Tom McCarty dropped out of sight. Uh, one tale of the raid was of him hiding in Moab, Utah, sheltered by his brother-in-law. He's still there. He runs the Dairy Queen. <laughs> he does. You've seen him. <laughs> uh, and, and he stayed there until a mysterious stranger came to town asking questions. Oh. McCarty then moved north to Green River, where he was supplied with food by his son, Lou, a local saloon keeper. Yeah. This inquisitive stranger showed up again in Green River. Oh, my. And McCarty moved on again. Now, some think this may have been a Pinkerton. Uh Uh-oh. One of the big guys back then. So, anyway, some sources report that McCarty's shaken up, headed back to his hideout uh, somewhere. uh, And in the fall of 1896, Tom McCarty sent word to Simpson that he was going to kill him. Uh Uh-oh. Now, Simpson's answer was classic. He sent a message back to McCarty. He had a small card punched with 10 bullet holes put there by Simpson at 225 feet. This guy was good. He was good. So I think that was the message back to McCarty is that I'm a good shot. You want to come after me, you just come right on ahead. Hmm. 
So anyway, still another count tells us Simpson received threatening letters for years after this raid from McCarty. Yeah. So anyway, uh, a lot of uncertainty surrounds Tom McCarty's later years. It's claimed that he was shot to death in about 1900 up in Montana's Bitterroot country after he picked a fight with the wrong man. Or he was killed near Green River, Utah, or he died in Skagway, Alaska during the gold rush, or he died in California. There's a lot of variants There's there. a lot of what else, but yeah. uh, one account, the most reliable one, has him living peacefully in Wallowa County, Oregon. Really? After the turn of the century, even becoming a justice of the peace. You know, a lot of these bad guys did that. Well... Nobody knew what he'd done. Yeah. You know, so you just move into a town, run for justice of the peace. You changed his name. Uh, probably. Put a star on his chest. Yes. So And turned into Gomer Pyle, or yeah. not Gomer Pyle, but Barney Fife. Barney Fife. Now, one source says that McCarty uh, went to Rosebud, Montana, where he is said to have worked herding sheep. Uh, oh, you don't want to do that. No. McCarty probably dictated his autobiography at Robber's Roost about 1898 and was killed shortly thereafter. Wow. So, however Tom McCarty ended his days, he must have been forever haunted by that hot day in Colorado, the day he ran from a single citizen, leaving his brother and nephew in the dust behind him. Mr. Simpson. Yeah. Man, he was tough. He was a tough guy. Man, alive. And all of this, of course, brought to you by Minicash Sales, 1321 East Main in Burley. Dr. History and the very best of windows, doors, garage doors, truss packages, carpet, vinyl siding, metal siding, charter farm and ranch equipment. They've got it all at Minicash Sales. You stop in and see them today. Okay, you're showing me pictures. Here's Ray Simpson. That's Ray Simpson. He looks just like a kind of a choir boy. He does. Yeah. yeah. And here's, and the, here's a picture of the Farmer's Merchant Bank. There's a picture of the Farmer's Merchant Bank. And as typical in those days, they took pictures of the dead guys. Boy, he got kind of uh, really a whole bunch of holes in him, didn't he? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's why they put the hat back where it was. Yeah, I noticed that. That's Bill wow. McCarty. That's Bill McCarty. And here's his son, and that's, Fred. That's Fred. Now Fred's he, got a smile on his face. Yeah, I don't know if they put that on there later. And they're wearing bib overalls. <laughs> Well, you know, Hollywood puts these guys in pretty fancy outfits. Yeah, but, I mean, bib overalls. I mean, good heavens, you didn't expect that from somebody from the glorious old West. Not hooked up with Butch Cassidy. No, it just wrecked the image. It did, it did. You did it again. Great job. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you. Doc. You and your, don't you dare come in here next week wearing bib overalls. Okay. I just might. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. History, right here, brought to you by Minicash Sales. Calling all drivers. Here's why Polestar 2 is called the driver's EV. With all-electric performance and a range of up to 320 miles per charge, Polestar 2 has the power and handling to change your perceptions of EV driving. But the best way to find out for yourself is a test drive. Visit Polestar Columbus to test drive Polestar 2 today. 320 MPG range based on model year 24 Polestar 2 long-range single motor variant and EPA standard. Visit Polestar.com for full details.